2 Corinthians 5 is our text this morning. So, some of you have uniforms on this morning. I like to see that. It looks good. Some are different colors. I saw some orange this morning from a Tennessee. It was a unique jersey. Some of us have on some Philadelphia stuff. I see some Penn State around. There's a Coventry shirt, which was a softball shirt, I believe. So we got some different jerseys on this morning. Let's not let it be a distraction, but simply a teaching device for us as we consider the champion's uniform. But the jersey, the uniform identifies us in some way, doesn't it? On the athletic competition field, the jersey helps us identify the team that we're rooting for. I'm going to show you a race clip from the state championship cross-country race, which was held last weekend. If you've never been to a big cross-country race, a championship race, it can get pretty intense. The path can get lined with, with people. There's no stand. There are some stands at the finish line, but pretty much spectators have the, the chance to run around the course and get pictures. I did this getting some videotape for you to watch. I'm going to show you a clip not just so that we can watch it, but there's going to be a lesson from this at the end of the sermon. What I want you to do is watch. This is the AAA race at the state championship held next to the Giant Center at Hershey. I want you to watch for the O&J Roberts runners. There are seven, seven of them that are going to pass through the picture. All right? So their jerseys are red bottoms, red tops, but not all the red jerseys are O&J Roberts jerseys. You have to look for OJR across the front. Okay, let's see how many you can find. It took me like 20 times to watch it to find six of them. I haven't found all seven yet. See how well you can do. So like 200 runners just went by you right there, okay? Same thing happened in Matthew's race. I'm watching, I'm looking, I'm trying to push up. I can't see. Here comes the runners. The, the without the uniforms, we would be clueless to finding them. With the uniforms, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. In the champion race series, we're using the analogy of a foot race to teach discipleship principles for us to remember for those of you who are just joining us, we started at a starting line. The disciples' starting line is at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's here that we say that champion runners commit their hearts and they open their minds in a way that they want to follow Jesus. I told you last week that when you follow Jesus, when you follow him on the discipleship path, this one lost me, but this one's here. When you follow Jesus on the, the path, there's going to be ups and downs, hills and valleys. So don't be afraid when you have some, some tough moments, some struggle, some strife. We can get through this. Today we're talking about the champion's uniform and that champion runners are dressed in Christ's righteousness. The scripture text from 2 Corinthians 5 is our base for this. It's a great text for us to lean into this morning. Listen to it as Paul encourages the church to run this race for Christ. And he died, and Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I just want to pause and say, let's not make judgments on people because just of what they have on the outside. Right? Some of you, some of you might dislike the Eagles a lot. And you see me wearing this and you're like, how can we ever listen to him? We can sometimes look at people and we can get stopped by their outside appearance. This is an earthly perspective. Don't look at people from an earthly perspective. Some of these men, Paul once looked at Jesus as just a carpenter's son. What good can come from Nazareth? Okay? Once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. That's good news. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to bring you two things to think about this morning in regards to this uniform, and it deals with two words that were in the text. The first word is reconciling, and the second is righteousness. The first point is this. We have a uniform. Our, our champion's uniform is gained through the reconciling work of Jesus. For an athlete to run in the race clip that I just showed you, they had to qualify. Something in their performance or their team's performance had to help them get there. From the different, different districts across the geographic state of Pennsylvania, certain teams can qualify for that race based on their district competition. In our district, District 1, which is Southeast Pennsylvania, the top five teams out of approximately 60 teams that compete get to go to the state meet. O&J Roberts girls were second in the district, so they got to go. Outside of the teams that qualify, there are 25 individuals that get to qualify. You must remember there's 60 teams and there's almost 400 runners that line up, so very few qualify out of the district for this race. Those who qualify get to wear their school's uniform in the championship race. But in the champion's race of faith, those who get to wear the heavenly uniform only do so because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. The word reconcile was in your text this morning. If you're part of, if you do inductive Bible study and you went to find the theme of the passage, you would see this word is in there five times. This is one of the important points of the passage. If you recall, there was a brother here over the summer named Don Fitzke. Remember Don being here? His message title was, I believe, the gospel in one word. And he talked about being reconciled. Right? We're going to talk about what that means today. I, it was a funny thing that when I'm scrambling around at this tripway race, running to and fro to watch and cheer the girls during one of the races, I, I caught eyes with this man, and I'm like, there's Don Fitzke. I'm like, hey, what are you doing here? So we shook hands, and we had to keep running to get to our spots, but he was there watching maybe a child or someone from their school. The word reconciliation 
is, is this. It means that if, if there's estrangement or if there is enmity between two parties or two groups, reconciliation means that they are restored back to unity. Okay? You understand that? Reconciliation. If this side of the congregation was angry at this side over here, and it was vice versa, it was the same reciprocal feeling, coming back together as one, one body, one unit, is reconciliation. We see this in scripture. We see the prodigal son welcomed home by the father. The scripture says that husbands and wives are to be reconciled to each other so that they can be one. The power of the gospel brought the Jew and the Gentile together grafted into the same branch through Jesus Christ. What a powerful reconciliation that is, right? There is now no difference between the two. And most significantly for us this morning, Jesus' work on our behalf brought the people group who could be identified as sinners. Anybody here? <laughs> Once or twice, maybe, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> sinners into the presence of holiness and a holy God. There is no greater reconciliation the world knows. I want to tell you some of the benefits of that reconciliation based on Romans 5, 1 and 2. See if you can hear three things. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access to God by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because Jesus worked in our behalf, reconciling us to God, we can have peace with him. We can have a peace with your creator through Jesus Christ. It's a good thing, right? This peace is what we search for in this world that carries us through all the difficult times. Peace with God. You can one day go and stand before God and have peace with him because of Jesus Christ, or you being in Jesus Christ. We have access to God. Jesus is our great high priest. You can go through Jesus to the presence of God. You don't have to come to me. You don't have to come to me and go through me to make your prayers to God. That's foreign to somebody to think that, but some out of, the, of a, a different background might think we have to go to the priest for, the, for everything to go through him. You can go directly to God through Jesus Christ. You have access. The veil, the veil in the temple was torn when he died on the cross. You have access to the Holy of Holies. And we also have hope of the glory of God to be around us in this life and also in eternity. Reconciling work. The reconciling work of Jesus on our behalf. This is how we get the uniform. This is how you can be running the champion's race. Two things I want you to, to tag on to this point. I want you to remember Jesus' work. Sometimes coaches would inspire their athletes and sometimes even bring in former athletes who have played years before. And I say, you're not the first person to wear this jersey. There are others that have lined up and have run the course and have played on this court and have done this before you. You are playing not just for yourself, you're playing for them. Remember, right? Coaches try to pump up their athletes like that. So it should be with us as we, as we put on the champion's uniform. Remember where it came from. Jesus died for all, the scripture says. 
that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's no small thing. Someone died for you to put on the champion's uniform. Don't forget it. That's why Jesus says, remember this, break my, make, break my bread, my body given for you. Drink this cup, which is my blood poured out for you. Remember, remember the work that I've done for you. Jesus, who had no sin, became sin. Remember his work. Were you ever shameful for this, the sin that you committed? The thing that you said, the thought that you did? The way you clicked on something and looked at this? Ever shameful for an action of sin? I have been. All of that was placed upon Jesus. He became our sin and our shame. Remember Jesus' work. He accomplished the reconciling work on the cross of Calvary. So he's saying the cross before us, the cross before us, the world behind us. No turning back. No turning back. We put the cross before us as we run. So we remember his work, which gives us this. You don't get the uniform by good church attendance. You don't get the uniform by service to the community. You get the uniform through faith in Jesus Christ, faith alone. Remember, but it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that to replicating Jesus' work. Did you hear in the text that you're identified as Christ's ambassadors? Well, how would you dress if you're going to be an ambassador? If you're representing Coventry on the, on the, on the softball team, maybe you wear a Coventry shirt, Coventry softball right? As though God were making his appeal through us. In the NIV, it says, uh, we are Christ's ambassadors. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, right? There's a great stadium not too far from here where this chant reigns up. Every home game, they go, we are Christ's team. We are Christ's team. Ready? We are Christ's team. <laughs> now, when 100,000 people are doing it and they really like get into it, it's like more powerful. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. <laughs> we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, Christ's team. We are that team. I hope that cheer is forever now stained with that teaching. If you're at Penn State cheering on like, we are. Wait. We're Christ's team. This goes beyond wearing the colors of the knitly lines. Replicate Jesus' work. Those who live should live for him who died for them. This text, Paul writes, we implore you. Be reconciled to God. God gave us the ministry. What ministry are you in? Well, I sing in the choir. I help in the nursery. I do that ministry, Right? But there's something that goes beyond all that, the message of reconciliation. We are in it together. He committed to us the message of reconciliation. So the first point is that we get this uniform because of Christ's reconciling work. So remember it. Remember his work and also replicate it. Replicate it. Here's how we're going to replicate it. We're going to talk about a uniform, the uniform that we have that is worn in the righteousness of Jesus. If we were actually talking about a literal dress code this morning, right? what should Christians wear or not wear? 
There are some biblical principles I could pull out. Perhaps let's talk about modesty. We should dress modest, modestly. It talks about that in the Bible. I could also talk about you should, you should avoid wearing choices, wardrobe choices, which promote or participate with simple actions. Okay? But the description of the champion's uniform is not me talking about and defining what's modest this morning. It's more of a description of the lifestyle of righteousness that comes with being in Christ. I want you to complete a song with me. I'm going to start you out on the lyrics, okay? The hymn is, My Hope is Built. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed? Faultless stand before the throne. Right? It was kind of like... Right? Let's do it one more time together. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And when we sing... When we sing that last phrase, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. The uniform is worn in the righteousness of Christ. So if someone's sponsored by Adidas, what are they going to wear? Adidas shoes, Adidas pants, shirts, warm-ups, and a Nike hat. No, they might lose their sponsorship if they put on something from another sponsor. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So the question that comes from this for me is that what does it look like? What does it look like to be clothed in righteousness? Let's define righteousness first. Righteousness is defined as holy and upright living in accordance with God's standard. So even the definition causes me to say like, oh goodness, I, I can't do that. I can't make that, I can't fulfill that definition on my own, all right? That's why we go back to the first point. We're not, our uniform's not given because of you dressing in righteousness in your own half. You can't do it perfectly, but this is the definition of righteousness. Holy and upright living in accordance with God's standard. So God's standard is the word by which we define righteousness. Not my thinking of what's right and you're not. It's not a self-righteous proclamation that this is right and it's not. It's based upon God's word. Deuteronomy 32, 3 and 4, Moses describes God's character as being the definition of righteousness. Genesis 15, 6 is a powerful text. I want to just go back there and check that out real quick. Because our situation is the same. Okay, Genesis 15, 6. God said something to Abraham, which was, pretty, uh, which was pretty hard to believe. You know, Abraham had a hard time having kids with his wife, right? They weren't young like Samuel and Rachel and having two beautiful children around, right? No, they were old. They were old. And getting older and older, day by day, year by year. And God still made this promise to Abraham. He says, listen, you're going to have, your descendants are going to be, you're going to be as numerous as those stars in the sky, Verse 6, Genesis 15, 6. Abram believed the Lord. And he, the Lord, credited it to Abram as righteousness. Faith, belief of Abram that God would do what he said he would do. God gave him righteousness. Now, turn to Philippians 3. Philippians 3, 8 and 9, our position. 
Our position is this. Paul says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. We believe. We believe that Jesus is who he is and did what he says he did. And by this belief, God grants us righteousness. Dressed in righteousness still doesn't give us a whole lot to hang on to, right? So what would we see in each other's lives if we're wearing the champion's uniform and being his ambassador? We're still, we're still looking for those things, right? That, you know, I want to see. I want to I be able to look at the race and see those that are running after Christ, the uniform. Let's start here with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 22 and 22 says that he anointed us, God anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what has come. So God marks his own with himself. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, having believed you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Revelation 7, 3 also talks about a future marking of God's servants for protection during the great tribulation. I can look out and I can see the stripes of the Phillies uniform. I can see the Liberty colors. I can see different things splattered through the Eagles jerseys. How do we see the marking of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the next question. How do we see this play out? It's similar to what I believe Nicodemus was pondering with Jesus in John chapter three. He's, Jesus says, no one can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. Nicodemus is struggling with that, like the reality of that. How does that happen, right? And Jesus answered him as we ponder, what would the uniform look like? How we know that we're marked by the Spirit of God and he's moving through us. Jesus says this to Nicodemus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Anybody see the wind in action this week? Mm-hmm. So it is with the Holy Spirit. You can't tell where it came from or what it's going, but you will see it in action. There's a practical, noticeable, tangible evidence that we can see and should look for in those who wear the champion's uniform. So I'm going to give you something to look for. In fact, I think I'm going to call it the primary thing that identifies us with Jesus' team. It's love. The love of God in us, working through us. Us responding to the love and us practicing that love. Think about it. The love of God with all your heart, mind, and strength. You love God. You say you love him this way. This is the greatest commandment for those that are after Jesus. If you love him in this way, that should impact your life. It should make a difference in the way you live your life that's noticeable to others around you. Your family, your neighbors, your enemies, your teammates your employees, because Jesus says this. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. Love Jesus 
by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness as you make life decisions. Ask, what does the kingdom say about this? I love him so much, I'm going to take some time to check it out and to spend time in his word to read it. Also, Jesus says, the world will know you. They'll know that you're my followers. You're wearing my uniform by the way that you love each other. We love. We love because Jesus loved us. That's why we put the cross in front of us. It reminds us of his great love for us. Who else has poured out their life for you that you might have the gift of salvation? We love because love is commanded by our champion. And the champion's uniform displays the love of Jesus. You got that? Part of being dressed in righteousness is to let Christ's love come out, be in you and come out through you. You can love a lot of ways. If there's nothing else that comes out of the sermon for you today, you forget what it was all about. I'm so, think about like I'm supposed to love because... This is part of my uniform for Christ. How can I practically love somebody today? And love isn't just about mushy-gushy feelings like boyfriend-girlfriend stuff. No. Those who have been married for a while knows that love is much harder than that and goes much deeper than that. Love is walking with someone through cancer. Love is supporting your spouse when they're grieving the death of a child. Love is telling someone this is not healthy for you. Love is saying, I'm going to live this way because my kids are watching. Love is humbling yourself before the Lord. Jesus is the toughest guy who lived and walked on this planet. And he loved, couldn't be stopped. He completed his mission and his purpose, driven by love. Why is love so important to us, replicating the reconciling ministry that has been committed to us? It's because we don't persuade the world to follow Jesus with our fancy clothes or with our jewelry or our hairstyles or our temporary uniforms. We don't make converts with guns, knives, clubs, or our fists. We win the race by submitting to the power of love. We let the love of Jesus Christ rule in us and flow through us. And we speak the truth of God's word in love. We forgive in the manner of Jesus. We care for the least of these. We go to the lost. We teach and encourage those that are found and rebuke those who are found in love. We live sacrificially following the example of Jesus, giving financially to the ministry of the kingdom and through our service for the kingdom with a motivation of love. Can you see that in someone's lives? Can you see acts of love? Yeah. You can see it. You've experienced it, haven't you? You experience when the church reaches out and loves you in some way. These all display the the kingdom uniform in our lives. The love of Christ motivates us to step out of the boat in faith and follow the leading of Jesus. 
We trust him to lead us into kingdom living, wearing his uniform, which provides those who have been, if we wear Christ's uniform and we love, it provides for those who are bound with a deficient philosophy of life. An example by which they can ponder and pause and be attracted to. The love of Christ that flows through our hearts and minds directs us and gives us our power. So what does a champion's uniform look like? I'm asking all of you to consider this. It looks like Jesus. Then the question is for us, is there anything about my life which resembles the life of Jesus Christ? If you're running after him, he's your Lord and master, there should be. This is the champion's jersey that we're cost, called to put on and follow him with. When you care more about others than yourself, you give witness to being dressed in Christ. Scripture says that love is patient and love is kind, right? These are good things. Let them adorn your life. I recall a relay team that had qualified for the state championship track and field meet but when the team was lining up for the race, the official says, your team is disqualified. One of the team members was wearing an earring and there was no jewelry permitted. They went through the screenings that they got there. They disqualified the team because of something that was inappropriate. Scripture also says that love does not envy. Love is not rude or self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. So I'm encouraging you to take off those things which are not part of the uniforms, the champion's uniform. If you're on Christ's team, you shouldn't wear things such as envy and rudeness, evil and self-seeking actions. This clashes with our uniform. It screams of needing a wardrobe alteration when we mix the righteousness of Christ, pure to the core, with self-seeking or evil actions. Some of us need help with matching our outfits. Any of you men with me on that? <laughs> Sometimes I need um, my wife to say, you know what, Mark, that just doesn't match. Try this. Sometimes we have some things that we strap onto our lives and we, and we wear that, that conflicts and clashes with the champion's uniform. So if you were a, a true Philadelphia Eagles fan, anybody here a true Philadelphia Eagles fan? You got your jerseys on, or maybe not, you're cheering them. I'm dressed out today. It just wouldn't go well if I would just adorn it all with a Cowboys hat. Right? Go into the stadium with that on once and see what happens. You got your Philadelphia shirt on, you put the hat on. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. So it is, too, when we wear these things in our lives that aren't part of Christ's uniform. Listen to the Holy Spirit, who God gives to us and puts in us as he guides us into looking more and more like Christ. And don't forget, we praise him for the righteousness that is not of our own, but of Jesus' work for us. Can you find your racing bibs that I gave to you? Pull those out for a second. I had a pastor friend that once told me when he dresses in the morning, he thinks of the spiritual armor listed in Ephesians 6 to remind him that he's living today for Christ. Some of the earliest reports of Christians and baptisms, this is a little bit, uh, this is not quite like the way we do it. They would go into the baptismal waters with nothing on. 
They would come out and they would be dressed with a white gown, signifying to them that says, you're now in the righteousness of Christ. Go and live and represent. So maybe deacons, we should put the white gowns on after they come out instead of before they go in. Just a thought. Anyway, but this is given to you to be a practical reminder to you. There are some holes in it. You could pin it to an outfit, a shirt. You could wear it. Uh, I don't necessarily encourage you to do that today because of maybe what you have on. Um, But I do want you to put this somewhere that you see in your house. Maybe you tape it to a dresser or you put it in a drawer where you get clothes out of every day. You see it when you dress in the morning. A daily reminder because we all dress every day, right? We all dress. So I'm asking, well, I hope you do anyway. uh, um, Dismiss. So we want you to think about wearing the champion's uniform, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and it has on it champion. Champion. The victory has been won for us. You've believed and placed your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. You're a champion. You're in the race. It's who I am. But it's also a reminder for us to replicate the work of our leader and to let love flow through our lives as we live out the day. You see this every morning, you begin to think, hmm, I got a mission today. I got a mission to represent and to be an ambassador for Christ. Every number is different. No one else has number 101. Right? You have your own number just because you're unique in this race, in the champion's race. The bottom part at the end of the race, they would tear this off runners and they would post it up so that results can be seen. You don't have to do that, but that will happen to us. We will give an account someday for our race, the good that we did, the things that were in front of us. So we watched a race as we began this morning, a video where we tried to pick out seven runners in this mass of people that were flowing by us. My encouragement to all of us, myself included, is that we live our lives in such a way that the world doesn't have a hard time identifying champion runners in the race of life that there are things that people can identify pretty easily about us because we understand that we're called to a purpose and a mission. Let's not make it difficult for the world to see Christ in us as we become the righteousness of God. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters. And Lord, uh, we are so grateful that you, Jesus, reconciled us You reconciled us with your life that we might have life. So Lord, help us to remember, give us wisdom in how we can replicate your life in our homes. For us men, how can we become like Christ to our wives? For our our women that are married um, uh, or single, how do we represent Christ uh, as we live out faith in this world? For our youth and children and our seniors, Lord, there are things for us to think about and and consider. But above all, we, Lord, we want to please you and bring you glory. So thank you for the opportunity to run. 
Thank you that we are in this together, that we can encourage each other and support each other and to help each other along this, this path. We give you praise for the chance to be your ambassadors and to carry out the work that you have for us. May we do so, Lord, with an undivided heart and mind. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.